Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. In the 90s, New York detective Louis Scarcella locked up the worst criminals. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it. Then jailhouse lawyers took aim, led by Derek Hamilton. Scarcella took me to the precinct and lied. 20 men eventually walked free. Now, in the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Louis Scarcella finally tells his story. And so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Comedy Central. North Korea. Voted Korea of the Year by North Korea Magazine for the past three decades. A few years ago, most people thought the only way the world was going to end was if North Korea's marshmallow dictator decided to kick off a nuclear apocalypse. But since then, we've all learned that there are actually many ways the world could end. It could be a global pandemic. It could be Russia starting a world war. It could be Apple letting you edit iMessages. I didn't say that. So obviously, people haven't been paying as much attention to North Korea lately, which is probably why Kim Jong-un has decided to remind us that he still exists. We're gonna turn to North Korea, launching a new round of missile tests. The regime firing off eight rockets over the weekend in the U.S. and South Korea, launching missiles in response in a show of force. The U.S. and South Korea sent eight surface-to-surface missiles into the sea. That's after North Korea did the same just hours earlier. There is no direct communication that we know of between the Biden administration and the North Korean regime. So instead, both sides seem to be communicating through missile launches. Huh. The U.S. and North Korea are communicating using missile launches? That's adorable. (laughs) It really is. It's so different. Missile, missile. You up? Missile, missile. (laughs) Nuh-uh. No, for real. It actually sounds like a couple that really needs therapy. You know, it's just like, and what do you do when she shuts you out? I launch missiles. (laughs) And what are we supposed to do? Talk to the U.N. You know, people say that black people and white people can't get along, but I don't know what hope there is in the world if North and South Korea can't even get along. Yeah, they're both Korean, looking at the other one like, these Koreans, man! (laughs) And you know who I feel really bad for? Those missiles. Yeah, the missiles that were shot into the ocean, because think about it. They think they have a specific purpose to blow up in glorious combat, but then they just end up being used for a show. Must hurt their feelings. It's like being a condom that gets put on a banana for sex ed class. (laughs) I was meant for greater things, damn it! (laughs) No, but joking aside, though, joking aside, I want to be serious for a moment here. Because let me get this straight. North Korea and South Korea and the United States are now launching missile after missile into the ocean, but I'm not allowed to use plastic straws? Huh? (laughs) Is that right? Is that right? I'm out here trying to do my part using a straw that dissolves the second I put it into my drink. (laughs) The second I put it in. It's gone. I don't 
even know what I'm drinking in. What are you having, Trevor? Oh, a tequila paper mache. <laughs> yeah, I saved the turtle, the one that got shot by a ballistic missile. <laughs> I mean, what does the ocean have to do with our beef, huh? Those creatures are down there just trying to live their lives. They don't need to deal with missiles from human conflicts. Can you imagine what it's like for them? Ariel, life is better under the sea. <laughs> we roll in the waves. The fish swim in the seaweed. We're... Ah! Ah! Oh no! Oh no! Everybody's dead. Everybody's dead. The fish are all dead under the sea. Ariel don't got no legs or a head. And the worst part is having my accent makes me sound jolly even when I'm not. This is where I wish I was from Germany. This accent doesn't convey the tragedy of this terrible crime that's happened under the sea. But enough about those North Korean missile strikes. There are bigger threats here at home, people, that we need to deal with. And yes, I'm talking about the danger of trans children playing sports, which luckily lawmakers in Ohio are ready to take a really hard look at. So as we enter Pride Month, the GOP-controlled Ohio State Legislature passing one of the most extreme trans sports bans we've seen to date. Uh, that bill, including a shocking provision that calls for examining the genitals of female athletes who are, quote, accused of being trans. The proposed rules would prohibit any trans girl from competing with cisgender girls. It also has a verification requirement if somebody is accused of being trans. The bill says if someone is suspected to be trans, she must go through evaluations of her external and internal genitalia, testosterone levels, and genetic makeup. Yeah, that's right, America. You asked lawmakers to protect your kids from guns, and they said, we got you. We're gonna look at your kids' genitals. <laughs> uh, I feel like there was a miscommunication there. Because which one do you think is more traumatizing to your kid? Honest question. What do you think is more traumatizing to a child? Them losing a race in high school? Or them winning the race and then having to get probed by a doctor to see if their genitals are what, the right size? Because it's bad enough to target trans girls, but you, you understand this law actually targets all girls, right? or at least all the girls who are too good at the sport. Yeah, because you know how this is gonna turn out. I've seen enough American parents beating each other up at little league games to know that this is gonna be weaponized to win a game. It's only a matter of time before a softball pitcher strikes out three girls in a row, and then a parent's gonna rush the field like, genital check! No way she's throwing 95 with two X chromosomes! No ways! Show me that <laughs> Dad! <laughs> who are they gonna find to do these examinations, huh? Who's even gonna do this? What, every dude wearing one of those female body inspector t-shirts? Are they gonna be drafted into service now? No, it was just a joke. I don't actually have any training in this area. <laughs> so obviously you understand why there's backlash to this bill. In fact, some doctors in Ohio are saying that they refuse to investigate children's genitals as part of this law. Yeah. Which... <laughs> is good, but... I mean... I also don't agree with it, you know? If they wanted to stand back and do nothing to keep our kids safe, then they should have become police officers. All right, finally. <laughs> too true, too real. All right, finally, as you may know, a couple of weeks from now, America will be celebrating Juneteenth, 
the holiday commemorating the end of slavery, or as Tucker Carlson would put it, the day millions of African Americans became unemployed. <laughs> is that progress? Anyway, because Juneteenth is now a federal holiday, more people are celebrating than ever before. The only problem is not everyone knows the best way to celebrate. Walmart is under fire for selling Juneteenth products that some people say are tone deaf and insensitive. The products have been lambasted by many online after pictures of Juneteenth ice cream and party supplies surfaced. The Children's Museum of Indianapolis is apologizing after backlash to a Juneteenth-inspired food item in its cafeteria. The museum offered the Juneteenth watermelon salad. The museum released a statement saying, in part, as a museum, we apologize and acknowledge the negative impact that stereotypes have on communities of color. Oh, this shit pisses me off so much. How are you gonna make a Juneteenth ice cream, huh? I hope they took it all off the shelves and they got rid of it. In fact, I don't trust them. I hope they send it here to The Daily Show and I'll, <laughs> I'll deal with it personally. Oh, every single one of those ice cream. And any other ideas they have for ice cream, they better send them here. <laughs> what a random, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, apart from the watermelon black people stereotypes, it's amazing to me how America does this. Like, they turn every meaningful holiday into an excuse to spend money. Like, that's part of the problem here. You don't need to sell things for Juneteenth. Juneteenth wasn't even a mainstream thing last year. Think about it. But now already they've turned it into a day of merch. And, and look, I mean, I'm not hating. You know, we, we, we do it too here on the show. Yeah, I mean, this whole segment is brought to you by Taco Bell's brand new flaming Juneteenth gorditas. Taco Bell, emancipate your taste buds. In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And the law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts language like when i say the word Turkey, what do you think of? 
probably a big bird that people eat while arguing with their family about whether or not gender's a spectrum, right? Yeah? <laughs> well, the country of Turkey knows that's what you think about when you hear their name, and they're sick of that shit. The country of Turkey is ready to change its name. Officials have notified the United Nations, asking that the country be referred to as Turkey, the way it's spelled and pronounced in Turkish. It's a way to disassociate its name from the bird and negative connotations that sometimes come with it. The official request follows the release of an ad campaign promoting the new name. Hey, Mom, I just landed. Oh, hello, Turkey. <laughs> hello, Turkey. Hello, Turkey. Hello, Turkey. Hey, Turkey. I like this. I like this. And I, I'm willing, I'm willing to start saying Turkey, -A. I don't mind, but I refuse to use those little dots over the U, all right? <laughs> and this has nothing to do with Turkey and everything to do with drawing a line for how many keyboards I'm willing to have on my phone. <laughs> I'm already three keyboards deep. I've got emoji keyboards, I've got my gift keyboard, then my symbols keyboard, then a secret symbols keyboard behind that keyboard, and I gotta add another keyboard so I can type a U with the dots that make it look like it's staring at me. It's too much! <laughs> it's too much, Turkey, -A. And I know what some of you are saying right now. You're like, oh, Trevor, you don't need another keyboard. You can just hold down the U key. Yeah, but it's about the extra effort. If you use your thumbs too much, they're gonna bulk up. I'm trying to get mine long and slender for the summer, baby. That's right. So I'll say Turkey A, but you gotta help me help you. And not the U with the dots, Turkey A, all right? Because no, I, I get why Turkey's doing this. I get it. A country's name is its brand. Nobody wants their brand associated with an animal that people don't even like that much. I mean, if you're gonna get mistaken for a bird, at least let it be a bird with some flavor, some juice, you know? Like if their country was named Spicy Chicken Sandwich, <laughs> they wouldn't be changing anything. <laughs> I will say, Turkey should just know this though. Just because they got the UN to agree on this doesn't mean that people are actually gonna start calling them Turkey Yay. It's not that easy. Trust me, I know this. Back in middle school, I tried to get everyone to call me Travolva. Yeah, and they just laughed like you guys did now. <laughs> they said it was a stupid name, which I guess in retrospect it kind of was, you know? Unless you guys like it, no? Okay, you're fine. Travolva, <laughs> Travolva noise, stupid, forget it. Let's move on. Wait, did someone say it was cool? No, okay, anyway. <laughs> I just thought I heard someone say it is a cool, because it could, no? All right, still no, all right. <laughs> I actually think this is a good idea. You know what, a lot of countries should be updating their names, yeah. They can just update it to, to make it modern. You're like, this isn't the United States of America. Let's be honest, it's more like the states that barely put up with each other of America, yeah? <laughs> Every country, like Greece, makes it sound messy, but it's not. <laughs> Hungary, what if they've eaten, huh? <laughs> yeah, Niger, well, you need to change that name to be safe. <laughs> you just need to change that name to be safe. I bet you right now, they're losing a ton of white people tourism. <laughs> Cause there's a lot of white people who are too nervous to type that into Expedia. <laughs> it's just like, I'm heading to N-I-G. You know what, I'm just going to Paris. I'm just going to go to Paris. I'm just going to Paris. I don't want any trouble here. I'm just going to Paris. But let's move on to some other international news. Because while Turkey is changing its name, Russia has spent the past three months trying to change Ukraine's name to Russia Junior. But Ukraine isn't the only country suffering from Russia's invasion. Yeah, what many people might not know is that Ukraine is one of the world's top producers of grain. But as part of its invasion, Russia is blocking Ukraine's ports and intercepting the grain. So now the world is facing a grain shortage, which Russia is taking advantage of. 
The U.S. has given out about 14 countries a heads up about stolen Ukrainian grain. U.S. officials say that Russia stole grain from Ukraine and alerted these other countries, mainly in Africa, that Russia will probably sell it. Policy experts say faced with starvation, most countries in the area likely won't hesitate to buy from Russia. The director of one African think tank told The New York Times, quote, this is not a dilemma. Africans don't care where they get their food from. And if someone is going to moralize about that, they are mistaken. Okay, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. I get what you're saying, but Africans don't care where they get their food from. Come on, don't put it like that. (laughs) Yes, some parts of Africa are suffering from famine and their leaders can't afford to take the moral high ground because they need the food. But not just Africans don't care where they get their food from. It makes it sound like us Africans were just running around on the sidewalk grabbing people's brunches out of their plates. (laughs) Just like, ha ha, you did not get your brioche, it's mine now, huh? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! And by the way, just in case you're wondering, Africans are gonna use the grain to make like bread and shit, okay? These stories always make it sound like Africans are just gonna eat the grain right out of the sack. <laughs> make it sound like that with us. This is like, ah, we love this. Ah, put the grain in my mouth, huh? Ah. I know that's what you guys were picturing in your heads, I know it. I said, we need grain, and you guys were like, I guess they eat grain, I guess that's what they do. We cook. (laughs) The situation is really messed up. Not only is Russia stealing Ukraine's grain, they're causing a food shortage in the rest of the world. And then they're gonna sell the grain to make up for the shortage that they're causing. And can we just take a moment to acknowledge how humiliating this is for Russia? When they started this invasion, Putin was like, our glorious army will conquer Ukraine for the new Russian empire. And now he's just like, okay, plan B, let's just rob this bitch, okay? We just got to steal. We just got to steal now. Plan B. Yeah, you went from being all high and mighty and now the dude's basically on the corner in Africa like, you, got, you want grain? I got grain. You want grain? I got grain. I also got Rolex. I got Rolex. Just the good stuff. Just the good stuff. You want grain? I got grain. But let's move on from the war in Ukraine to the war zone that is America. Ever since the Uvalde school shooting, Congress has been working hard to craft sensible gun safety measures that can be narrowly defeated at the last minute. But a lot of people are trying to make this time different. I mean, just today, Matthew McConaughey, who's from Uvalde, was at the White House pushing for reforms. Unfortunately, though, nobody really expects a lot to change. Now, that's where there is an upside to living in the states that barely put up with each other of America. Right? And that is, individual states can break off and pass their own gun laws, which is exactly what's happening right here in New York. New York bolstered its already tough gun laws, some of the strictest in the nation. Governor Hochul signed a package of gun reform bills yesterday. Now, among them, a measure that bans the sale of semi-automatic rifles to anybody under 21. New buyers are also required to obtain a permit. Also, red flag laws are expanding. Body armor for civilians is outlawed, and ammo for semi-automatic handguns is required to be micro-stamped to make it easier to trace. Hochul celebrated the new laws in the Bronx. It just keeps happening. Shots ring out, flags come down, and nothing ever changes. Except here in New York. Wow. Wow. This is... This is so weird. A mass shooting happened, and then politicians did something. (laughs) 
I didn't even know that that was possible. <laughs> yeah, it's like I showed up to McDonald's and the McFlurry machine is working. It's just, <laughs> I don't even know how to react to this. Do, do I clap? Am I supposed to tip? What's a good tip for passing gun law? 10%? I'm sure it's 10%. <laughs> You know what this feels like? This feels like when you're ready to argue with your partner and before you can say anything, they just apologize, right? Yeah, now you've got a throat full of screams and nothing to do with it. It's like, thank you, I appreciate your apology, I love you too. <laughs> and New York made a lot of changes. For instance, it's raising the minimum age on semi-automatic rifles, which seems like common sense to me. You know, although in my opinion, instead of 21, I feel like it should be 21 and four days. Yeah, because I don't want someone buying a gun on the same night that they're slamming 10 shots of Jaeger. Just spread it out, you know? <laughs> New York is also gonna be banning body armor, and that makes sense. Right. In fact, this is the first state in the country to do it, which is a great idea. In fact, they should also ban Under Armour while they're at it. <laughs> yeah, it's not about the shootings. I'm just tired of seeing people's nipples on the train, you know? <laughs> I get it, you work out. Oh, and I know. I know some people are saying, but wait, I'm not a shooter. I just want body armor for my protection. Don't worry. You don't need body armor, right? If you're not doing anything in the ferries, you don't need body armor. Yeah, if there's something I've learned from American movies, it's that you just need to keep a precious family heirloom on your body. That stops any bullets, <laughs> any time. It's like, bah, ah, oh, thank God. My mom's Bible stopped the bullets. <laughs> bah, oh. Oh, thank goodness, my grandpa's pocket watch saved me. <laughs> oh, thank God, I carry grandma's cherished dildo with me all the time. <laughs> saved my life once again. Thank you, grandma. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm just gonna let that soak in for a second. <laughs> all right, finally, let's move on to a story about CNN, which stands for Cable News Ninjas. Anyway, for years, CNN has been notorious for overhyping every story. Like it's, you know, the zombie apocalypse. It's like, breaking news, the midterm elections are now six months away. <laughs> and not surprisingly, this approach has started to backfire as viewers have learned to tune it out, you know, like the boy who cried wolf, or in this case, the wolf who cried wolf. So because of that, because of that, CNN is making a big change. We start here with breaking news about breaking news involving CNN. The network has a new boss, and he says CNN is now cutting back on overhyping everything as, quote, breaking news. So much so that CNN has actually added a breaking news guideline to its style book. So you'll soon see a lot less of that breaking news banner at the bottom of the TV screen. Yes, CNN is cutting back on the overuse of breaking news. And... To celebrate, it immediately put up a countdown clock to the moment when it'll officially reduce the amount of breaking news. <laughs> Very exciting. One thing at a time. Look. Look, people, the truth is, the truth is, most stories aren't giant news in that way. I'm glad they're doing this, you know? Great job, Chris Licht. There's only been like three breaking news stories of the past two decades, let's be honest. Like 9-11, coronavirus, and that time that guy put salt on his food, but from up here. <laughs> yeah, most people put the salt from like down here, but he did it from up here, yo. That dude changed the game. It's a technique, it's a whole thing. And now that CNN is acknowledging this, now that they're acknowledging that not everything is breaking news, maybe, just maybe, all of cable news can acknowledge that maybe news doesn't need to be 24 hours, maybe, huh? 
It's not necessary. You know, maybe you, you can wait to get all the facts and tell us the correct story at the end of the day. <laughs> J- just me? Possibly. I mean, think about it, think about it. Think about it, honestly. The first 10 hours of any news story on cable news is just speculation. Breaking news, we're hearing that a tiger has escaped from the zoo and mauled 10 people. It is a sad day, hold on, hold on. Slight clarification, we're now hearing that the tiger was in the mall and the mall has 10 people. Everybody is alive and, oh, hold on, our our sources on the ground are telling us it's not a tiger, it's a panda express. There is a panda express in the mall. We're gonna stay on top of this story for the next 24 hours. Breaking news. Here's the thing. Even when there is news, most of it isn't that exciting, right? It's just everyday stuff that's boring, but important. The economy is up, the economy is down. The government is doing something, or more likely not doing something, you know? (laughs) So this is good. And to lower expectations, CNN is actually replacing breaking news with a new graphic for stories that are just normal stuff. And we have an exclusive look at what that'll be. I think they did a great job. Well done, CNN. January 6th. It's why your uncle is calling you from a prison phone. (laughs) January 6th wasn't just a way for QAnon members to get their steps in. It was the culmination of a high-level plot to overturn the election results. And now, after a year of gathering evidence and speaking to over 1,000 witnesses, the January 6th committee in Congress is ready to spill the tea on what actually went down. Primetime hearings. The January 6th committee set to take their case to the American public. How they plan to argue that Donald Trump and his supporters planned the insurrection in an effort to overturn the presidential election. The committee and its members really want these hearings to be blockbuster Watergate style hearings, and they are meticulously crafted. They're trying to make sure that this does not look like other congressional hearings. Maryland Rep. Jamie Raskin has said that he expects that the hearings will blow the roof off of the House. Yeah, that's right. The January 6th hearings are starting tomorrow, and every broadcast network, every cable news network is going to be covering this. Obviously, except Fox. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to be spending all night talking about the real culprits. Why is nobody talking about how Congress has too many doors? If there was only one door in and out, this never would have happened. The crowd would have peacefully dispersed after hanging Mike Pence, huh? You know who's gonna be torn about the coverage of this? Donald Trump. Yeah, because think about it, on the one hand, he doesn't want anyone to know what he did on January 6th. But on the other hand, you know he would love his hearings to get the highest ratings of all time. (laughs) You know it. He's gonna be out there like, don't watch the hearings, folks. The fake news is saying, I overthrew the government, which I didn't do, but it was the biggest overthrow of all time. (laughs) But I didn't do it. I didn't do it at all. Watch the hearings, you'll see, you'll see. So the Democrats are hoping that these hearings are gonna finish Trump off the same way that Watergate finished off Nixon. But the difference is those Watergate hearings happened back in the 1970s. That was a different time. They only had, what, three channels back then? (laughs) 
Yeah, Americans' only choice for entertainment in 1973 was either watching the Watergate hearings or chain-smoking in between heart attacks. That's all they could do. <laughs> and I'll tell you this now. If the Democrats want everyone to watch, if they want Americans to pay attention, they can't just have their regular boring-ass hearings. You know? You know those hearings where they act like they just dropped the bombshell and the rest of us have no idea why? But you'll never believe what happened next. The White House counsel emailed the chief of staff and he BCC'd the assistant White House counsel. Wait, wh why are all the cameras leaving? What's going on? What's going on? No. No. What they need to do, if you want people to watch in America, is you have to spice things up, you know? Have a kiss cam going for the witnesses. Yeah. Get Shakira to do a halftime show. Oh, oh, you know what? They should just get sex involved. I'm gonna say it. Yeah. That's what made the Bill Clinton scandal so big. Yeah, you gotta give people sex stuff. Like, I don't know, like, uh, that guy who stole the podium, did he have sex with it afterwards? <laughs> huh? Or that guy who dressed in the animal skins, that was a sex thing, right? That had to be a sex thing. <laughs> you know, actually, I've, I've been thinking about this hard, and I, and I figured it out. Americans like entertainment. Congress wants Americans to pay attention to politics. Those two don't mix. But there is one person who can make political machinations interesting for the masses. There's only one man, Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> How could a redhead Right wing, QAnon supporter, break the border to get into the Capitol, supporting law and order. In the room where it happens, the room where it happens. But yo, we don't talk about bro, no, no, no. High five, Bernie. High five. High five. All right, let's move on to some international news. Because while America is trying its hardest to preserve its democracy, Europe is tackling major problems of its own. iPhone chargers. The European Union is officially adopting a common charger, the USB-C. That's the type of charger already used in most Android phones and other devices. All electronics sold in the EU will have to use a USB-C port. That's in order to reduce cable clutter and electronic waste. Apple has their own proprietary charger, and they say the proposed rule could render as many as a billion devices obsolete. Oh, really, Apple? <laughs> You're mad about a change coming out of nowhere that's gonna render a billion devices obsolete. Oh, that's funny, because I've got a drawer full of wired headphones that agree with you! <laughs> now you know how I feel! And you know, Apple claims, they claim that this new regulation is gonna hurt them financially, but guys, let's be real. Apple always finds a way to win. You know, they have the regulation, but they'll find a way to spin this into making money, even if it's off of this. Thanks to the EU, <laughs> your old phone is obsolete now. And in the old days, you might have just thrown it into the garbage, but not anymore. Introducing the iGarbage. <laughs> throw out your phone. It's basically a regular garbage can, but like it's got round edges and it's kind of shiny. Anyway, it's a thousand dollars. I'm gonna buy one of those. 
I will say this, if the USB-C is going to become the default charger around the world, they've got to come up with a better name than USB-C. That's boring, no one wants to say that. You know, like Apple, they went with lightning charger. Yeah, it makes you want to charge your phone. USB-C. Sounds like you're filling out taxes with that. Did you fill out your USB-C? And you change the name to something more badass, you know? Want to charge your phone so fast your dick falls off? You need the Thunder Blaster! Yeah, that's the sound it makes every time you charge your phone. And by the way, can I, can I just say how crazy it is that America is struggling, like, how do we protect our children from gun violence? Oh, how do we stop people from starving even when they work three jobs? There's nothing we can do. Meanwhile, Europe is so far ahead, they truly have first world problems, you know? <laughs> They're like, you know, I was thinking about this when I was in the doctor's office not paying the other day. But isn't it so stressful how you have like one charger, but then you need like a different charger? <laughs> thinking about this. I mean, you know, there are many changes we could make. Yeah, I learned about this in university that I also didn't have to pay for. You know, you can like apply your mind and you can do this, you know? It's all about your perspective, guys. All right, I'm going on paternity leave for an entire year. See you guys later. Auf Wiedersehen. Tschüss. All right, enough about Europe. Right now, there's an even, even bigger story brewing in the world of sports. You know, usually in golf, the biggest controversy is that a player wore a too colorful shirt, you know? Or someone said a bad word after they sliced their shot. Ah, phooey! <gasps> this time, though, golf is tied up in a real scandal because some of its star players are switching to a new league launching in Saudi Arabia. It's caused a major split in the golfing world. A controversial Saudi-backed golf series tees off tomorrow. The tournament has secured several big names despite threats from the PGA Tour to sanction them. American golfer Dustin Johnson quitting the PGA and joining the controversial league backed by Saudi Arabia. And this is coming after Phil Mickelson announced his comeback by joining the same league despite previously describing the Saudi regime as scary MFers who have a horrible record on human rights. I understand that many people have very strong opinions and may disagree with my decision. But um, at this time, this is uh, an opportunity that gives me a, a chance to have the most balance uh, in my life uh, going forward, and I think this is going to do a lot of good for the game. We all agree that when Phil Mickelson says this gives him the most balance in my life, he means money, right? <laughs> I mean, just say money. The reason I'm here is money. Yeah, because the Saudis are reportedly paying him $200 million. Yeah, so just say it's the money. Stop coming up with all these stories. I would say that to the audience if I was him. I wouldn't even play those games. I'd be like, yeah, you know why I'm going to Saudi Arabia? They're giving me $200 million. <laughs> million dollars. Busy talking to me, why are you going, why are you? I'll give you a million dollars if you shut the f up. Busy <laughs> acting like you've ever had to make this decision. People are kidding themselves about their morals. Everyone's like, oh, I can't believe he's doing, you telling me that for $200 million, you wouldn't play golf for the Saudis. Hell, let me tell you something, for $200 million, I would let the ruler of Saudi Arabia set up his tee on my crutch. That's where he can <laughs> hit it from. I can buy a new crutch with that money, a better crutch. I'll be honest with you, I am torn when it comes to this issue. 
Because on the one hand, I do think boycotting a country like Saudi Arabia could effectively push them to create a less oppressive society. I believe that. Happened with South Africa during apartheid. People boycotted, the country was embarrassed, changed. On the other hand, there's an argument that maybe by bringing them in and exposing them to the rest of the world, that might cause liberal values to infiltrate their societies. You know, because it starts with golf, then over time it's racket sports, squash, <laughs> tennis, yeah? Yeah, yeah, now they're wearing shorts. Ooh, getting more liberal. Yeah, then maybe you add a bar where people, men and women, can hang out after their activities, and then boom, you got a liberal society, or at the very least, a country club. It's progress. <laughs> I mean, the real question here is why, why would you even want to play golf in Saudi Arabia in the first place? The sand trap is the entire country. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? All right, finally, if you're one of those people who can't seem to arrive on time for any meeting or any date or any event in your calendar, well, according to trend watchers, your time is up. Being fashionably late is no longer in fashion, according to a New York Times article. It argues that now being fashionably late is out of fashion, that punctuality is cool. In the third year of the pandemic, apparently people are less sympathetic for old excuses of why you show up late to a meeting. The author of this says that now that more people have to go back into the office, they are more protective of their time that they gotta be there and less forgiving about people who are late. That's right, people. Being on time is cool now. <laughs> We're putting the punk in punctuality. Ow! Yeah! Someone just charged their phone. <laughs> but still, let's, let's not get carried away with this. All right, I agree. Yes, it is good to be on time, especially for big things, you know, like meetings at work or your wedding. Yeah, you don't want to be late for that. Especially if you're the bride, because then, like, the organ player, they're gonna have to fill time, you know? And just be like, dun, 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 dun. No, not yet. Dun, 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 dun. Still nothing. Dun, 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 I hate this culture of people who are personally offended by people who weren't there on the dot. Oh, you disrespected my time and you disrespected my family. Calm down. <laughs> people get so touchy about it. You weren't here on time. Yo, back in the day, I get it. You had to wait at the mall until your friends showed up. You didn't know where they were. You didn't know if they were late or dead. You had no clue. <laughs> yeah. You didn't even know if you were stood up for a date until you saw the person the next time. Hey, what happened? Oh, I got married. What? <laughs> but in 2022, no one should be pissed off that they had to wait a little bit for somebody to show up. You've got a phone, people. Use it, right? Read the news, play a game, learn Japanese. <laughs> or maybe you should answer one of those 2,000 unread emails that I've seen on your phone. <laughs> oh, I was waiting for you. Yeah, they're waiting for you. You're gonna be mad that I'm late to dinner. Then when I finally get to dinner, you spend half of the time looking at your phone. Why didn't you do this shit before I got there, huh? <laughs> Why? You got the phone, use it. No, I'm late. No, Trevor, you came late. You came late, Trevor. I'm not late. I'm giving you an opportunity to watch things online. I'm giving you an opportunity to watch a video of an orangutan pulling a guy through a cage. Yeah. Pulling a man, you've seen me before. You've never seen an orangutan pull a grown man into a cage. And then another guy comes to help him and the orangutan blocks him with his foot. And that other guy's like, all right, I'm not helping anymore. This shit is crazy. 
And if you haven't seen that video, that's because you're probably always on time. <laughs>MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The price of gas, a.k.a. petrol, a.k.a. car cocaine. There are a few commodities out there that affect the cost of living more than gas. You know, it's how we get to work. It's how we ship products across the country. And it's how we let our ex know that we busted them cheating. (laughs) Now, I don't need to tell you that over the past few months, the price of gas has been climbing faster than your grandpa's heart rate on Viagra. In fact, gas is so expensive, instead of champagne, boilers have started ordering canisters of premium at the club. Yeah, it's like, bing, 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 bing. That club was really lit. And as the national average in America hits $5 a gallon for the first time ever, people all over the country are doing whatever they can to stretch a tank as far as they can. For a nation that feels like it's stuck right now in gas gridlock, many drivers aren't sitting idle with soaring costs. They're getting creative. My salary hasn't changed, so I carpool with my sister to work. Uh, One week she drives and the one week I drive. I just bought the motorcycle because now, for 20 bucks, I use like for three days to four days. It saves me a lot. At a time, gas prices are so high, bike sales are exploding. I've moved to the city. I don't need my car. Um, can't afford gas. And even Google Maps is your friend with an option to navigate based on fewer hills and traffic. Even police departments are under strain. This Michigan Sheriff's Office is feeling the pain at the pump as well, according to its Facebook post, and has advised deputies to manage non-urgent calls over the phone. Well, well, well. I guess Joe Biden did end up defunding the police, yes. The secret was just defunding everyone at the same time so we didn't notice. I see you, Joe, very slick. But yeah, gas prices are so high, even police have to do their jobs over the phone. 
which you gotta admit is gonna be tough for some cops. You know, it's just gonna be like, all right, sir, are you black? Okay, then I'm gonna have to ask you to whoop your own ass a little bit. Yeah, just frisk yourself for no reason, just to be safe. You know who's actually gonna be hit the hardest by this, right? It's the Karens. Yeah, because they're the main people calling the cops with non-urgent shit. They're like, hello, police. There's a black man at the grocery store buying Trix cereal, which is illegal because Trix are for kids. Hurry, hurry quickly. But yeah. All over the country, Americans are doing anything they can to save on gas. Carpooling, switching to motorcycles, shit. I pretended to be sick this morning just to get a free ambulance ride to work. <laughs> oh, it's definitely AIDS, monkey pox, Ebola. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna make it. I don't know how much longer I have. Oh wait, that, that's my office. You guys can put, you can drop me off here. Yeah, I'm gonna pull through, I'm gonna pull through. You guys can pull over here, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good, I'll see you guys tomorrow. All right, bye-bye, bye-bye. For real though, it's, it's actually times like this that a lot of people are glad they live in New York City because you don't need to pay for gas here, right? You can walk, you can ride a bike, you can take the subway, and then with all that money that you've saved not buying gas, you can afford a room the size of a coffin. Yeah. <laughs> in New York, concrete jungle where you have 10 roommates, there's no space for any of you. That was a verse they cut out of the song. But it goes to show you how desperate times are. America will do anything to save on gas right now. I mean, not investing in mass transit, obviously, but anything else, <laughs> anything else. And that means we're gonna have to move on because unfortunately, gas prices aren't the only problem affecting American people right now. And yes, I'm talking about guns. The never-ending problem that America just can't seem to solve. Which, now that I think about it, maybe America like, shouldn't keep hitting the same brick wall. Maybe America can just use some of its problems to solve some of its other problems. You know? Yeah, like, like maybe the price of gas will get so high that mass shooters won't be able to drive to a gun store to buy weapons in the first place. You don't need red flag laws if gas is $40 a gallon. But until that happens, lawmakers in Congress are trying to find any measure that can help reduce the amount of guns that end up in the hands of madmen. And yesterday, the House took action. A major legislative package on new gun measures is headed to the Senate after passing in the House yesterday. By a 223 to 204 vote, lawmakers approved the Protecting Our Kids Act. The legislation is a collection of six new gun safety measures, including raising the minimum age to buy semi-automatic rifles from 18 to 21 and requiring that all firearms be traceable. Five Republicans joined Democrats and also supported the bill. It is, however, unlikely to pass in the Senate where control is evenly split. One Republican congressman who voted against the bill, Congressman Steve Scalise, explained his opposition to new gun control laws. I go back to September 11th. Airplanes were used that day as the weapon to kill thousands of people and to inflict terror on our country. There wasn't a conversation about banning airplanes. Wow. Wow, that is a good point. I can't think of any way flying changed after 9-11. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to get to the airport 15 hours early so the TSA has time to run a background check on my shampoo to see if it has any links to ISIS. This is a terrible comparison. 
Nobody's trying to ban all guns. They're trying to add small measures to make people more safe, which is exactly what happened to air travel after 9-11. I mean, do you even remember what airport security was like before 9-11? You could basically walk onto a plane and just browse around like it was an Ikea. Yeah, you could just be like, no, I, I don't have a ticket. I just wanted to check out the cockpit. This is nice. This is, what does this do? Boop, 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 boop. This is fun, all right, have a safe trip. But this is the problem. You see, this is the problem that gun lovers have in America. There's nothing else that is as unregulated as they want guns to be. So their, their options and the, like the, the, the analogies they use always don't make sense. They're always like, cars kill people too, but you don't regulate that. Wait, wait, actually, I mean, alcohol kills people too, but they, wait, actually, no, wait. Medicine kills people too, but we don't regulate. Oh, no, wait, we do. Uh, let me think. Uh, guns kill people, but we don't regulate those, huh? See what I did? No, that's, I've gone back on myself. That's what I've done. <laughs> but despite, despite these dumbass objections from people like Steve Scalise, the House still passed a gun control bill. The only problem is that everyone already knows that it has zero chance of passing in the Senate, which has gotta be rough for the House. You know, you work so hard on something that you know is going to lose. You know, they're like the New York Knicks of legislation. <laughs> like, what a weird system in America where one chamber of Congress spends all its time passing legislation that they know the other chamber is gonna shoot down. It's such a strange system, normal for America, crazy for most of the world. America's basically doing that thing that parents do with their kids, you know? You know those parents that aren't on the same page? Like you ask your dad, Dad, can we eat ice cream for dinner? And he's like, yeah, sounds good to me, but you gotta ask your mom. And you know mom is gonna say no. <laughs> so I should have just asked her, why are you even a part of this process? Well, if I get your mom on the record saying no, then I can run ads against her next year and then we can get a new cooler mom, yeah. <laughs> but what's especially interesting to me is that as modest as this bill is, only five Republicans voted for it, only five. And get this, four of them aren't running for re-election. Yeah, which is really interesting. You know, time and time again, you see whenever Republicans aren't worried about pandering to Trump voters, all of a sudden they make common sense decisions. And I'll be honest, this, this has shown me something that like maybe America needs to relook the process. Maybe people in Congress shouldn't get to be reelected. You just do one term and you're done. That's it. Yeah, because then America's politicians would finally care more about governing as opposed to getting reelected. You know, it's kind of like the same way people in relationships finally tell the truth when they're breaking up. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, because the whole time you're worried about saving the relationship, but if you're not worried about that anymore, you become a lot more honest. Yeah, all of a sudden you're like, well, it's gonna end anyway, so I might as well tell you now that you fought like a beatboxing machine in your sleep, <laughs> Sarah. The whole night. <laughs> Moving on. This week, Los Angeles is hosting the Summit of the Americas. Because contrary to popular belief, America isn't the only America in the world. Yeah, there are dozens of countries in North and South America. And every once in a while, they get together to discuss issues that affect the entire region and then they bitch about Christopher Columbus. But for this year's summit, the person most countries are bitching about is Joseph Robinette Biden. 
Drama before the diplomacy officially begins this week in Los Angeles, where President Biden will be hosting the Summit of the Americas. There is a significant snub. The president of Mexico has announced that he is refusing to attend the summit because the U.S. is not inviting Cuba, Venezuela, and Nicaragua over their lack of democratic values. But Mexico says the agenda of migration, economics, climate, and COVID is just too important to exclude any of the nations from this region. The White House counters that it believes that no dictator should be invited. Wait a second. Joe Biden has stopped a Mexican from coming to America? <laughs> you know wherever he is, Trump must be so pissed off right now. He's like, Joe Biden is stealing my ideas. I'm the Mexican man. Mom! <laughs> But seriously, though, this is such a petty story. This is a meeting of the leaders of an entire hemisphere. But instead, they, they sound like middle school mean girls. You know, it's just like, hey, Mexico, I'm having a party, and you can come, but don't tell Cuba and Venezuela and Nicaragua, because they're not invited. It's like, oh, America, it's so brave that you think you're cool enough to even throw a party. <gasps> you bitch, oh my god, blah, 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 blah. I will say this, I think we can all agree that Mexico's making a good point. America's stance on human rights violations seems a little inconsistent, right? Think about it. You won't even talk to Cuba and Nicaragua, but then you're gonna fly to Saudi Arabia and beg Prince Bonesaw to release more oil, huh? I mean, it seems like America's a lot more tolerant of countries that have a little uh, cha-ching. Is that what it is? Yeah, in many ways, the American government is like a stripper, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like, if you ain't paying, they don't care about you. <laughs> and I hope you know that, Saudi Arabia. America's not actually into you. They're just saving up for college. That's all this is. <laughs> it's not about you, America. It's a transaction. Here's the thing, here's the thing. Whether the US likes it or not, it is connected to these countries, right? They affect the United States, and the United States affects them. Don't you think it's weird that you're gonna be talking about migrants from Nicaragua, but then Nicaragua is not gonna be at that summit? You don't think it's strange? It's gonna be like staging an intervention without the person there. <laughs> You've gotta get your life together, Barry, is what I would say if Barry was here. I think this would've been good, guys. <laughs> this would've gotten through to him. It really would've been great. Where is Barry, by the way? What, drunk again? Oh, <laughs> well, we tried. <laughs> All right, that's it for the headlines. But before we go, let's check in on the traffic with our very own Roy Wood Jr., everybody. <laughs> What's happening, man? What's happening in the traffic? I'm just looking, man. Ain't nothing happening. Ain't nobody out there. The gas costs too damn much. Everybody at home. Ain't nobody on these roads today, man. It's looking pretty, looking pretty good out there. You know, I'll be honest, man. With this, these gas prices, man, I kind of... It's got me kind of rooting for monkeypox. Sorry, what? How was traffic during the last shutdown? It was good, wasn't it? It was good. The last pandemic, it wasn't no traffic. So bring back another pandemic, boom, traffic fixed, problem solved. I'm I telling you, man, the, the gas prices are getting out of hand. Like, I, like, I kind of like the fact, though, that the police can't respond to every call. That's cool for now, but then when emergencies start, really start piling up, then it's gonna be bad, man. Eventually, the police gonna have to start carpooling with the fire department and the ambulance. <laughs> they're gonna have to ride together. Like, the only way they're gonna come save you is if all three things are happening to you at the same time. <laughs> 
Like, if you get shot, you got to set something on fire. Then they'll show up. They're going to have to combine their vehicles. It's going to get bad. They're going to have to come check on you in a fire truck ambulance cruiser. <laughs> yeah, the fire truck, ambulance, cruiser. That's what all three, police cruiser, ambulance, fire truck. All, yeah, all combined. Yeah, well, thank it's, you. It, was, it was in boys in the What's hood. happening yeah. in the traffic, Roy? It's just, it's just people going to, errands. People are just going to and fro, man. It's just, it's a beautiful thing, man. Just, real quick about the, 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 the gun law stuff, the gun, whatever they're trying to pass. Yeah, yeah, the, the gun safety, yeah. That's part of it. All right, can we not act like that's the only solution to gun violence is gun regulating guns. That, that's gun a, good... a lot of different things contribute to gun violence I agree. in this country. I agree. You, you start with the guns, but then you look at communities, you, you look at schooling, you look at uh, eradicating poverty. I hear what you're saying, right? I don't talk about that. I'm talking about lonely white dudes. I'm, I'm talking about <laughs> we got to have legislation. Like, every lonely white dude got to have a friend. We got to legislate <laughs> friends for lonely white men. And I think that's how we get, that's how we fix some of it. Like, like it'd be like jury duty. Like, you think you gotta, you think you like, get to go out this week, but then you get a letter in the mail, like, report to Gary's basement. And you gotta <laughs> be Gary's friend for a little while. Cause them, them, them lonely white men ain't got no friends, man. That's so we don't let the lonely white men not have a friend is what, what okay, but then, but then you what give if- give them a friend. Every lonely white dude gets a friend. Yeah, yeah, I understand Rotating that. group of friends. Yeah, yeah, but then, but then what if they put a lonely white man with another lonely white man? Then, isn't that double dangerous? No, that's called a militia. That's safer than a lonely, <laughs> white man. A militia is much safer than a lonely white man. A militia got a uniform, they got a website, they got a schedule, they get permits. They let you know when they gonna show up. Who would you rather deal with, a militia or a lone wolf? Militia. That's what I'm saying. Yes. That's what we need. We yeah. need that. The structure. Yeah, because we gotta, we, somebody gotta talk to these white, white dudes in person. We tried talking to them over the internet, but Reddit didn't work. It was a big failure. So. Okay, well, um, let's get the traffic, Roy. We... It's just so beautiful when you just stare. All right, let's get to it. We got time. No, we, we, got we ran time. out of time again, Corey. We, we got out... time? Yeah, we, we... Just let me just... No, we, we had the, the time. Just let me, let me just real quick. Okay, what are you going to say? It's just so that guy's going to have a wreck. He was going you way know too what? fast. Thank you so much. Roy with Junior, everybody. Before we go, please consider supporting Trans Lifeline. They're a grassroots hotline offering direct emotional and financial support to trans people in crisis. For the trans community, by the trans community. So if you can, then please donate at the link below to help their vision for a world where trans people have the connection, the economic security, and the care that everyone needs and deserves. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. In the 90s, New York detective Louis Scarcella locked up the worst criminals. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it. Then jailhouse lawyers took aim, led by Derek Hamilton. Scarcella took me to the precinct and lied. 20 men eventually walked free. Now, in the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Louis Scarcella finally tells his story. And so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.